1: Hello. Hi.
0: I ache. My body just aches. And what's depressing about that is maybe at different stages in my life, my body would ache. Not if I'd done some exercise because I tend not to, but maybe I'd walked a long way the previous day or I had carried something heavy. Today, my body aches because I fell asleep on the sofa and I think that says something very depressing about ageing.
1: Yep, I think it's something that happens to us all. Suddenly the aches and pains aren't due to some strenuous activity. It's just an ageing body. Yeah,
0: I, I, I am aching from lying down.
1: Just the lying down.
0: That's not good, is it?
1: Yeah. Lying down on a sofa has yeah. caused you problems. Yeah. He's mm. an orthopedic, orthopedic bed. Maybe get an orthopedic sofa. Does that I, exist?
0: Oh, sh- I've got an orthopedic pillow and it's, uh, it's wonderful. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, so I was going to tell you about my birthday.
1: Mm.
0: First off, I will just show you this lovely framed photo of Ringo Starr. That was a gift.
1: Beautiful. From
0: my friend Chris.
1: Beautiful, very nice.
0: Annabelle, just, it was worth the wait. It really was worth the wait.
1: What, my present? Yes. Yeah, it was a week late almost. Hadn't arrived, you see, it's slightly slow delivery.
0: Sarah's present was late as well. And I think it's very indicative of uh, a stage in both a friendship and a relationship mm-hmm. where the most commonly heard words on a birthday are look, your present hasn't arrived yet, but.
1: Yeah, yeah. Something to look forward to. Yeah,
0: mm. but Annabelle just got me the greatest gift, and I, I was so thrilled with it. Um, at first glance, I was thrilled with it. Then, when when you told me about it, it's even better. Annabelle got me a bespoke bottle of hot sauce.
1: Mm.
0: Now, and I know I opened it up, and there I was. It was my own face, and it said Jeff's hot sauce. And I thought, oh, this is great. You can get your face on a bottle of bottle of spicy condiment but oh no it's more than that because it is truly bespoke you selected the ingredients for it
1: yes i i invented a special recipe and then the chefs made it i can't
0: i had a good sniff of it and it mm. smells amazing so i need to uh i need to, need to find something to dip into it but that's a, a great present thank you
1: my pleasure
0: where did you find out about it
1: oh i think i saw it in some kind of newsletter that i sign up to
0: you're very good at just remembering these things
1: <laughs> I've had it on the back burner for about, almost a year, I have to say, yeah. What is your, what,
0: what, Where do you keep this stuff? Have you got a Pinterest board? What are you, <laughs> I what are you doing? Do. I, just,
1: what? I just remembered it. I thought, I must get that Jeffrey's birthday.
0: So great. So Sarah, to be fair to her, really made a, a fuss of me on my birthday. This shirt that I'm wearing, by the way, oh, is my yes. birthday present from her. It arrived. Thing. It's the Terry Towling shirt. I can't believe
1: I haven't even mentioned it. I could have thought, honestly, I registered that you're wearing a nice shirt and then that was as far as the registration went.
0: Yeah. Terry toweling is everything I hoped Beautiful. it
1: would be.
0: I got my son out of the bath earlier on. He always thinks it's very funny to get me as wet as possible. Mm. Didn't matter. No. When you're wearing a towel.
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so great. Anyway, on my, my actual birthday, do you remember me saying last week it was all I wanted was just to have the day planned for me? And yes. that's what Sarah did. Oh, and, yes, And yes. it was fantastic. I went for Bula. Uh, Cinnamon buns and coffee in the morning at at my favourite Scandinavian cafe. And then we went on a walk. I didn't know we were going. And we ended up at Mm. the canal.
1: Right. And?
0: She had arranged for me to take part in an activity which was a community clear-up of the canal, fishing out condoms no, she and didn't. shopping trolleys. <laughs> no, springes, no, no, bodies. no, I'll tell, tell you, it, bodies in the canal doesn't seem to happen as much as it once did.
1: No, I'm, I'm, I'm literally just thinking of Dirty Den and East Ah. And uh-huh. Yeah. Because
0: there's this area of Manchester where when I lived in Manchester... The only time you would ever hear of this area is if a headless body had been found in the canal. Oh, really? And now it's where yuppies are living.
1: Oh, how times change. In the
0: warehouse conversions. Mm-mm. It's where I'd live if I, I was there. Because um, I'm a yuppie. Of course. Now, I'm not sure about the yuh bit anymore. Mm. Can I really claim the y if I'm 48? <laughs> I
1: don't think so, no. 48. Oh, yeah, 48. Wow.
0: Anyway, so she, she took me to the canal where she had rented a little motorboat for me to captain up and down the canal oh. from Paddington to, uh, to to near London Zoo.
1: That's fantastic. And
0: I love, because you know I love a boat.
1: And did you get to be captain? Yes, I was captain. Not cabin boy. No, well, no. Congratulations. Yeah,
0: uh, it was a very slow boat. I won't bore you with details, but there was a very memorable occasion where I rented a boat and Sarah and I went out on it and there were a number of disaster, like real disaster disasters right not quite at a titanic level but not far off actually it was quite a, quite far off right right think about the loss of human life yeah, and, and the fact that it's in the history books but you yeah. am
1: guessing that perhaps you maybe just lost your glasses overboard like if that i
0: put i put diesel in a petrol boat oh, and yeah. then we're in the middle of the sea and it just stopped
1: okay
0: that's quite bad you know also i ran aground on some rocks and she had to go out and push because she didn't know. How to, mm. You know, only I knew how to operate the boat.
1: I have to say that one of the things that mm. most surprises about me about you is how confident you are with a boat because it doesn't fit in with the rest of your personality. No, I know you're very, very confident with a boat. And I, just, I don't know why. I just
0: love it. But when I used, by the to,
1: sounds of it, you shouldn't be. But well, you are. that
0: that was a you know that was a kind of bit off more than I could do with that particular boat. Ah, I hired okay. a bigger boat than i was used to right, right and tried to do the things i'd done with my smaller boat yeah. so i used to have this little boat yes, you see and yes. i was i was at my happiest before i was um uh, married and a father mm. you know with the occasional moments of joy that come with that if you'd said to me like when in your life were you at your happiest it was when i was out on that boat i just loved it and often go out on my own it was, it was little like four and a half five meters had a a, a smallish I don't know twenty four, twenty five horsepower engine. Which yeah, I know that sounds like a lot of horses. A lot of horses. It's not that that many compared to what a lot of people have in their engines. And and I was so happy. I used to go out around the Stockholm Archipelago in that boat, and I was it was just a joy. And I've not done that for years. Sarah knows how much I liked it, so she arranged for me to captain this boat on the canal, which had an engine about the size of a lawnmower. You 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 know you can walk faster than this boat. Mm. But I just loved being out on it. Loved being out on the water. I love it when you're on a canal, people kind of let on to you, say hello. Oh, yeah. But you don't have to have an interaction. You just say hello. Glide past. Hello. Morning. Yeah, yeah That uh, they glide past you as they're walking faster than the boat will go course. And, uh, and, and it, was, it was just great being out on it until on the way back, there's this tunnel. And when you rent the boat, they say don't enter the tunnel until you're sure there isn't another boat in there. Right. So I had a good look. There wasn't another boat in there. As we're about halfway through, I can see there is another boat waiting at the far end of the tunnel, which I then feel a certain amount of pressure. I can't make the boat go any faster than it is, but I just want to get out of this tunnel so I can let that other person in because I don't like the thought of the person there waiting. As I'm approaching the end something very strange happens. I see something drop from above. Uh, Presumably there's a, a bridge above. I see something drop down into the water. And then I look and see what it is, and it's a walking stick. Oh, no. Yeah. So then there's this flurry of activity Some people come running down onto the 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 towpath of the canal and say, "Excuse me, excuse me, Um, my friend up there's dropped a walking stick into the water. Can you can you get it out for me?" So then, I'm it's 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 too late, really. I'm too close to be able to navigate the but change course. To go alongside the walking stick and to do that would involve Sarah leaning over the edge and be able to grab at the walking stick and be lucky enough to get hold of it. Yeah. We attempt this and fail and then they're saying, oh, can you just try you try again? Can you go back and t- try again? What? Really? And I just have this awful feeling. And it's the same feeling I've talked before about when I walk past a game of football in the park
1: Yes, and
0: then the ball goes out of play mm. and they expect me to kick it back. And I just know that I can't do that, so I just have to carry on walking. Mm-mm. And I am in that same situation, only the stakes are higher, because it is, a, it is an aid to help somebody with mobility issues stay yeah. upright.
1: Yeah,
0: But I, I know that getting that stick and reversing and... Is beyond my capabilities. I'm, I'm not able to do that. Mm. So I just mouth sorry at them. Oh no. And carry on.
1: Don't you know? No explanation. Just sorry. Well, what, what's sorry. the explanation? Sorry, I'm not skilled enough. I don't yeah. know. So, I
0: mean, I did say, I did say sorry, sorry. I, I don't really know what I'm doing with the boat. Oh,
1: that's fair enough. But it looks bad, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, but then so I think bad.
0: the people waiting to go into the tunnel—the guy looked like he would be a real hero as well. Uh, so I looked behind me.
1: Yeah,
0: tried, failed, carried on going. Oh no! Yes, really? Yes.
1: So it's a difficult job.
0: But it was very awkward. I could just feel feel their eyes in the back of my burning into the back of my head as I carried oh. along very slowly along the canal, <laughs> the speed having oh, chosen. Not to retrieve a walking stick. Oh, dear. I'm not that sure about how a walking stick ends up in the canal.
1: Yeah, come on. What's going on there, Yeah,
0: eh? That's not an easy thing to have happened. No. They've only got themselves to blame.
1: <laughs> yeah, blame them.
0: So there was that. And then in the evening, we went out to a restaurant. And obviously, at the moment, you can only eat outdoors. Mm. And there was a point at which the Sarah asked for a blanket because she was so cold. So the people had got them. And the waiter said to me, would would you like a blanket? And I didn't really need one, but I thought maybe I'll get cold later. So why not? It saves him making the trip twice. So he brings over these two blankets and Sarah wraps hers around herself straight away. And I don't. Which then has the unexpected effect of making him feel that I expect him to wrap this blanket around Uh, me, which he then does.
1: Oh, don't. don't
0: Which I would never have wanted. (laughs) But he he obviously thought I was the kind of person who not only just wanted a blanket delivered, but I wanted tucking in yes, like a baby. Yes, yes. So, and and again, that was too difficult to explain. So I just mm. kept my mouth shut and, Got and let him in. do it. Sat yeah, there really hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a nice meal. I mean, oddly, the pasta dish I had tasted a bit of um, human spit. <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle, let's hear from some drifters, shall we, of their own awkward interactions?
1: Let's. First one from Sarah. As a drifter, I have lots of stories featuring my social ineptitude, but I have the lucky habit of forgetting them very quickly. Thank goodness for that, because I would not be able to function if all these memories were easily accessible. This one story, however, I could not forget, partly because of how shameful it is and partly because people remind me of it. This happened a few years ago when I started to get into comedy. For the first time, I was watching a lot of stand-up and panel shows, and eventually it started to rub off on me. This is how, when I found myself in a situation where I didn't know what to say, which was and still is very frequent, I would say something, in inverted commas, funny. I put the inverted commas around funny because what I would say was something slightly unexpected, not actually funny. People would maybe titter or chuckle a bit. I thought I'd found a solution. I thought that soon feeling socially inept would be a thing of the past. One time I was having lunch with some colleagues who were also friends and with whom I felt moderately comfortable. One friend was eating something with sauce on it and she got some on her face. I told her that she had some sauce on her face and she went to wipe it off, but missed. I said a bit higher up, but she missed again. A bit lower and to the right. Again, she missed. I felt like I was being annoying telling her that she missed again. I felt like I would be implying that she's stupid (laughs) if I told her again, like I don't believe that she's capable of wiping her own face. This is completely ludicrous, of course, but that's what I thought then. I consider saying, yep, you got it. But then she'd be walking around with sauce on her face and eventually she'll find out. Before I could think about what I was about to say, I heard my mouth saying, shall I lick it for you? <laughs> Everyone looked up from their food, stared at me, and after what felt like an eternity, burst out laughing. I have no idea what made me say that, and I blame the fact that I was fancying myself as becoming a bit of a comedian. I was mortified. All I could say was, I don't know why I said that. Why did I even think that? I don't know why I said that, in a low voice, accompanied by a stunned expression. This incident became sort of a workplace legend. I do not work there anymore, but I'm still friends with a lot of my colleagues, and more than six years later, they still jump at an opportunity to ask me, shall I lick it for you? (laughs) <laughs> Needless to say, my impulse to be a comedian when I don't know what to say has vanished. I just mumbled something short and uninteresting like a proper drifter. Sarah, can I just,
0: to put your mind at rest here,
1: hmm.
0: these these comedians are appearing on these panel shows. They get a pack a few days before with all the questions they're going to be asked, all the <laughs> clips that are going to be shown. Often they're assigned writers to give them some ideas of things to say and they get all this time to prepare it and then maybe might throw in the odd spontaneous comment on top of it.
1: You're doing all this on the spot off the top of your head. Yes. Yeah.
0: I I wish I, I wish that every social interaction I could have, I could prepare in advance. Yes. Here's what the topics are gonna be. Mm. Uh here's a funny thing that might happen that you could have a, a, a quick witted reaction to. Oh my goodness I I would be sparkling. <laughs>
1: if
0: if if I was able to prepare for real life interactions the way that comedians and television personalities prepare for panel shows,
1: mm-hmm. that just would be fantastic.
0: So don't beat yourself up over
1: that. I also think that she needs to get some credit for being brave enough to point out that someone has something on their face because I am terrible at that. I just can I can't bring myself to even mention it.
0: I also think the lick thing was genuinely funny.
1: Yeah.
0: I would have laughed a lot if somebody had said that. Me too. Yeah, okay.
1: Too. Okay, let's move on to anon. The office I work in has a gents toilet that is shared with lots of other people on the same floor, many of whom I don't know. There is a single cubicle and three urinals. Sorry for the detail, but it's necessary. The room is on the inside of the building with no natural light. A few months ago, I was happily doing some business in the cubicle and not paying much attention to what was happening in the rest of the toilet. I was aware of someone using one of the urinals outside. As they left, they switched off the light. Perhaps there might have been a split second in which I could have shouted out and asked for the light to be switched back on, but I missed the chance and the other person left. I found myself (laughs) sitting, trousers down, mid-business, in complete darkness. Usually I would have a torch on my phone, but on this occasion I'd left it charging at my desk. I considered shouting for help, but discounted that when I considered how embarrassing it would be to rescue in these circumstances. Wiping myself in the dark would be a risky strategy. I decided that my best bet was to wait for someone else to use the toilet and switch the light back on. A few rather long minutes passed in the dark and then, sure enough, someone came in and switched on the light. Saved! But then, to my horror their footsteps headed straight for the single cubicle. Oh, no. Given that the light had been off and the room appeared (laughs) deserted, they were quite surprised to find the cubicle door locked. They rattled the door handle quite hard. There was a pause and they tried again harder. Should I say something? As a drifter, obviously not. A long explanation explanation of why I was sitting in the toilet in the darkness was not my best option. Instead, I instinctively drew up my legs off the floor and I decided to look under the cubicle door. Obviously, they didn't do that. They left to find another toilet, and I was relieved to find that they didn't switch off the light. I finished up and returned rather furtively back to my desk. Having analysed the situation in some detail, I'm still at a loss as to how I should have acted differently. If the situation repeats itself, I'll probably find myself hiding again.
0: Oh, that's so good! I mean, I strongly relate to that. I'll tell you what they have. You ever been in one of those toilets where the lights just go off of their own volition after a Uh, while to save energy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find those places really underestimate how much uh, doing how long doing your business can take sometimes. Right,
1: right. You found yourself stuck in the dark before.
0: I have found myself yes. in that situation, yes. waving my arms around, trying to activate the lights. Mm. We would love to hear your story of social ineptitude. I do love anything with a toilet involved.
1: I know, but I'd say that out of, if we did a survey of all the stories, I'd say like something like 50% probably involved with toilet, yeah. like toilet paper running out. Yeah. Something like that, and
0: and it's it's really good when it's one like that as well. That isn't going to lose us the people who are squeamish about mm, bodily functions mm, and scatological mm. things. That that was one yeah. that everybody could enjoy. I, I think. think so yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, both of those were top notch. Mm. Um, this is good. I think we've turned a corner. No, well, they've always the ones we've read out have always been Never really stopped. good, yeah. but uh, there's there's been fewer of them as mug chat has pulled focus mm. away. Yes, uh, more of which later. Mm. But we would love to hear from you, please. The email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle.
1: Yes. I just said I I feel like
0: I just went Annabelle for no reason. Mm. And then you felt pressured into going, yes.
1: I didn't feel pressured, I just felt do you like you enjoy it. N- yeah, kinda. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. okay. Kinda,
0: kinda. I remember um Tom Jones and Nina Pearson from The Cardigans oh, yeah. recorded a version of Talking Heads burning down the house nice. around the turn of the millennium. And my old radio producer, who was a young woman called Leona, was also producing the DJ Gary Davis, who people might remember from uh been very famous in the 80s and I I think still has a nice a nice career as a radio dj. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say that the two of them were very different in type and didn't necessarily have a lot to talk about while the records were on. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of silences. I also think Gary really liked having the music up loud in the studio. Right. And he's playing this song one day and he's got it on full blast and it's burning down the house and he's really into it and he's kind of grooving in his chair. And when when it gets to the middle bit, the instrumental bit, he starts going as if he's DJing a nightclub. He starts going, who's in the house? And then points at her. She's in a very awkward position and she she doesn't know what to do. So she goes, Gary D is in the house. And he goes, "Yeah, who's in the house?" Oh, oh, and then this goes on for like the rest of the song. Oh my! Him God. joking "Who's wow. in the house?" And then having to go back, Gary D is in the house.
1: Oh, <laughs> Isn't that just wonderful. Yes. And then they were
0: back to their regular awkward silence.
1: <laughs> very
0: strange. How do you get? I think it would be easier to get over a, a friendship which had somehow descended into an orgy than it would be
1: to <laughs> come back from that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyway, um,
0: Annabelle. Yes. Mm. I am ready for another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult.
1: Yes. So this is something that happened around 38 years ago and it popped into my head this week and it made me cringe so much. I honestly think that I'm shorter now, that I've shrunk from <laughs> sheer embarrassment. So when I was about seven or eight, my dad started saying a particular phrase if he ever ate something that someone else had cooked, which was compliments to the chef right? I don't know why he started saying this but I strongly suspect he'd heard it on TV and he Mm. thought oh I like that I'll start saying that (laughs) and it's a phrase that I think is intended to be used in a very fancy restaurant Mm. but in 1980 South then we weren't going to any fancy restaurants because there weren't any unless you count the Pearl Dragon Chinese but on the rare occasions we would eat out he'd say it to the waiting staff when paying the bill and they'd look politely confused (laughs) He's basically got no shame in terms of what he says to waiting staff. On one occasion, a waitress in a diner-style cafe was taking our dessert orders. And my dad ordered something like apple pie, and she wanted to know if he wanted it served with ice cream or custard. And my dad said, because he couldn't help himself, hmm, it's the custard lumpy. And the waitress, oblivious to the fact that she was dealing with a joke, replied, oh, I'll go and check.
0: Oh, no. And then she
1: came back a few minutes later, by which time my dad was on the floor laughing and said, (laughs) I I asked the chef and he said, said, no, it wasn't lumpy. And I sometimes like to run through that waitress and chef scenario in my head if I'm feeling down. just like her (laughs) going into the kitchen saying, chef, chef, uh, someone's asking if the the cast is lumpy.
0: (laughs) That's true. But even, even the compliments thing... Is is that scenario playing at? Compliments? (laughs) For me?
1: (laughs) So anyway, this compliments to the chef thing, that was Mm. nothing to him. It just Mm. rolled out of his brain and off his tongue with ease. But he'd also say if a friend had cooked for him or my mum had cooked for him, he'd taste the food and say compliments to the chef. It became his thing. And I actually didn't find it embarrassing. I, th- I thought it was very sophisticated. You it was a sophisticated. I thought it was so sophisticated and intelligent sounding. Mm. It wasn't. You weren't saying oh, the food was very nice. You were saying it in a very certain <laughs> way now around this time I became friends through ballet with a girl called Jane and the one thing I remember most about her is that she once told me that her mum kept a book at all times on the arm of the settee so if they're watching a TV programme with any kind of kissing or nudity or anything like that she could pick the book up and start reading it and therefore not be seen to be watching any kind of saucy business (laughs) and it was the only time the book was ever read it was it had its purpose was solely for that I always remember that but the other thing I remember about Jane is the thing that popped into my head this week. So I was once invited around to tea because this was basically my social life as a kid. You'd go around, play with your friend have dinner, then go home. And it was a dinner where the whole family was seated around the tables, Jane, her mum, her dad and me. And I can't remember the exact meal, but I'm pretty certain it featured chips and quite possibly a Finder's Crispy pancake. And we all know where this is going. So we sit down, the food is placed in front of me, I eat a mouthful of my Finder's Crispy pancake and then the seven or eight year old me <laughs> says with confidence, <laughs> compliments to the chef. <laughs> it may have been the most my most precocious moment ever like didn't even get a laugh they just looked confused that they thought that I thought they had a chef and I wanted to compliment him on the <laughs> excellent crispy coating of my crispy pancake <laughs> but I remembered that this week and I honestly think I'm at least an inch shorter now
0: <laughs> I think this is the same situation as, as um, Sarah and her story in that Imagine if you if um, when Rudy's a bit older, a seven-year-old comes <laughs> no, over and says, Come. No. you'd love it, you would love oh, it. Oh. It's the problem lies with the audience, <laughs> yes. not with the, you with you, with the, the performer. Maybe you're right, yeah. maybe. I want yeah. you to get some closure on that, please.
1: Okay, thank you. I feel so much better. I might have even grown a bit again. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? got a bit down this week i'll tell you why i was thinking about how i've not been experiencing the same kind of things that other, other people really understandably have around lockdown and just a desperation to socialize and see other people again i really haven't had that which i think is ultimately indicative of a problem in me but the you know the one thing i like doing socially apart from like going to dinner with my wife is um Karaoke.
1: Oh yes, yeah.
0: And I thought. I know stuff's starting to reopen, but karaoke has got to be one of the worst in terms of it's a small space. Mm. Singing is like one of, one of the ways. Like speaking loudly, singing it's it's one of the ways it's transmitted. One of the biggest ways, sort of aerosol transmission. And if you're singing loudly, it's it's blasting out of you, isn't it? Exactly. So I don't know when I'm going to get to do that game.
1: I think it's way down the list, isn't it, of things that are going to reopen, sadly for you. Well. Oh, go on.
0: I went on the website of the karaoke chain that I tend to go to earlier. Yeah. Great news. Right. Is their reopening on the 17th, like everything else.
1: You're joking.
0: Yeah. And I thought, this is amazing. So then I started looking at it and seeing what's changed. And there was something that the music is going to have to be quieter.
1: Some of the people sing quieter? That's ridiculous. I guess so. That's ridiculous. But. Like that's going to stop you. It's not going to stop me.
0: No. But then I noticed something else in the FAQs. Yeah. It said bookings will be for a minimum of two people.
1: A minimum?
0: Yeah, which means I can't go on my own.
1: (laughs) Who's booking for less than two people? I might. (laughs) <laughs> Do it at home on your own. I haven't I got the kit, I have got
0: the same kit.
1: Do they honestly think that's a frequently asked question? Can I come on my own? That's not a frequently asked question. For a
0: laugh once I tweeted them mm. this karaoke chain. It was a few years ago. And uh, said, "Do you have any availability for a booth for one person at uh, 11 p.m. on New Year's Eve?" Oh, don't! I, break <laughs> I thought home. it was for two hours. I thought that would be like the most depressing tweet yeah, they could receive. Yeah,
1: yeah. And what did they say? They
0: said, "We're currently fully booked for New Year's Eve, but we do get some last-minute cancellations. So if you check, I mean, they just gave oh. me a very standard." But I'd, that would have I'd, broken that person's yes, heart, that yeah. social media manager. <laughs> yeah, that's is, that is the, the single most heartbreaking thing you can tweet. Um, let me just tell you quickly about something uh, so, something vexing that happened to me. Mm. Right, let me just uh, lay out the characters in this. Um, my son Eugene's best friend is called Elsie, who is a few weeks younger than he is. Elsie's mum is Becky. And Becky is married to Elsie's dad, Craig. There's also a three-year-old and a dog, but they're not characters in this story, so I won't include their include their names. Okay. Gene's gone over there to play in their back garden. I go to pick him up, and I'm quite happy to do so. Firstly, because I have a good relationship with these people, and and they are it's very rare for me to. Feel conversationally comfortable with people, and and it just so happens that I do. But not only that, I have something to say. There's something I'm saying to everybody at the moment, which is, I have found a new place that delivers, and the food is so good. I'm having it multiple times in a week. I had it for my dinner tonight. I had it for my lunch yesterday. I had it a few times last week as well. It's really good. So I'm very excited to tell them about it. It's an Indian place, and they they are also big fans of Indian food, like I am. So they are a great audience for this information. And firstly, this place should be paying me.
1: Right, sounds like it. Yeah, you're spreading. Yeah, they the say word. word of mouth is yeah. the the
0: best possible adver- uh, uh, advertisement for your business, and and I'm like an evangelist about this place so i i tell becky and craig about it how good it is and how what i've been ordering is a toasted cauliflower sandwich mm. like an indian spiced cauliflower sandwich and a tub of soup a rasam spicy tomatoey soup. Oh, that sounds good. So it's a sandwich and a soup combo that I've Mm. been ordering from there. They are very excited and they're asking me more about it. They write down the name of the place and they say, we're going to have this the next time. And then they're like, oh, maybe we we should get it tomorrow just so we can can have it. You know, they're genuinely excited. Mm. I think this is great. Sure enough, the next day, I get a message from Becky. She says, guess what? We have just ordered... From this place, we both ordered the soup. I've ordered the cauliflower sandwich, which is the thing that I I said, and mm. she said, and, and Craig has ordered the paneer sandwich. Now I feel slightly slighted.
1: <laughs> that was ridiculous.
0: That they haven't just both ordered exactly <laughs> what I have. <laughs> but I do understand when you're a couple, you don't want to order the same hey, thing. But but anyway, anyway, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. So so then. A while later, I get another text message. She hmm. says it's arrived. It looks amazing. And then, right, nothing.
1: This is what I'm waiting for. Yeah,
0: absolutely nothing that, back.
1: That's the one. That's the one text I expect. To, I don't expect to receive the text saying we're doing it. We've ordered it. I expect to receive the text saying we got it. it tastes amazing.
0: So I wait. Yeah. And I wait.
1: Yeah.
0: A couple of hours pass. Right. In fact, afternoon becomes evening. Okay. After I put my son to bed, I send a text message saying,
1: Oh you can't help yourself. How was it? Right, yeah, of course, yeah.
0: Becky texts back. Yeah. Craig loved the paneer one. Oh. End of text message. No,
1: no, that was it. Yeah. So they didn't they didn't like the soup and the cauliflower one.
0: I know, but then I went, Oh, what about you? Oh, you can't help yourself. I can't retreat. And she said, It was quite spicy, actually. Ah, uh, okay.
1: So. That's not a compliment.
0: But that's not my, I think if somebody can't hand, handle spice, that's not my problem. That's their problem. Yes. Right. Yeah. I haven't made a bad reputation. Uh, sorry, I haven't made a bad recommendation. You have a feeble palate or tolerance for spice.
1: Should you, not my question, but yeah. maybe someone listening's question, should you have pre warned them about the level of spiciness? No, because it wasn't that spicy. Oh really? Yeah,
0: okay. I mean also I can't tell what's spicy and what's mm. not is part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> but but I don't Sarah's late grandma RIP used to constantly be talking about things being oversalted or overspiced. Mm. But what she meant by that is it wasn't to her liking. Right. they're not doing anything wrong. Mm. You're, you're being picky about having it just how you like it.
1: So what I need to know now is how did you deal with this slight?
0: Well, my son's never playing with their daughter <laughs> again. <laughs> All right, let's move on to... Mug chat. Mug chat with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Now, before we go any further, you you have a, a thought on the future of Mug Chat?
1: I love Mug Chat, as you know. I want to go out on a high. I don't want this to drag on and drag on, and it gets to like it starts to weaken, and weaken until it breaks. So I'm thinking, and I'd like to know if you're in agreement that maybe next week is the last Mug Chat. Well,
0: I, I trust you implicitly with this. Mm. We've had other things in the past, like laughing on the outside, dying in the inside. Which mm. you're the one monitoring the email that comes in. Mm. You can, you've got a mental graph, yeah, of where the peak is, mm-hmm. and I really trust your ability to, um, okay, to to do that. What we could say just mm. to uh, give ourselves um, a little bit of wiggle room, yeah, yeah, is if we were then at some point in the future to have a wealth of mug related material that needed addressing yeah it could come back as a as a one off every now and again
1: i'd be so happy to do that but
0: in terms of a regular yep. weekly feature yep, yep. you feel it's run its course and last week will be the final one
1: i'd say i want to get on a high
0: okay well if you have been sitting on the greatest mug chat yes. story or observation of all time, mm. then probably this is the, the time to get it in. It's your last chance. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. What did you think of the mug I gave you earlier?
1: It was a moomin one. I didn't notice what what was actually on it.
0: See, I'm always I most of our mugs are Moomin mugs and I really think about which mug I'm giving to whom. And I gave you a really nice one with snork maiden on it.
1: It's lovely. Yeah.
0: And I drank out of my favourite mug. And I, as I was making the tea, I thought, should I give Annabelle my favourite mug? No, don't be silly. That, that's, that's what I, yeah. I came to. But yeah, I
1: was that yeah. close. I just that's want you to love. know that. That is amazing. I want you to know to that. Me. Wow. Um, all right, then. This this week's Mug Chat. Okay. From Manon, first of all. This tale doesn't paint me in the best light, but Mug Chat is a safe place. So here goes. Many years ago, I worked for a company that made dog products. At one point, I went from promotion to the executive team. I didn't get it. It went to an external candidate. Let's call him Steve. On Steve's first day, he arrived with a shiny new mug with a cartoon grinning pooch and the slogan Top Dog emblazoned across the front. (laughs) It was a present from his wife on getting the job and clearly she had themed it on the work of the company. I soon developed an irrational hatred of that mug. (laughs) I found the top dog phrase passive-aggressive in the extreme. It was like the mug was torn to me saying, ha, my owner is better than you as he got the job and you didn't. It didn't help that Steve was a bit ineffective and I often had to fill the gap of his shortcomings for which he would then take credit. I'd spend many meetings fantasising about smashing the mug against a wall or dropping it (laughs) from a big height into the sink. After a couple of years, all Steve's peers, admittedly somewhat unfairly, fell out with him. His last few months were particularly difficult, and he ended up walking out. While it was unpleasant to witness, there was a small piece of me that took delight in thinking that anything he drinks from that bloody top mug now, top dog mug now, must now be tinged with a hint of bitterness. As quite clearly, no one else considered him to be the top dog.
0: So he did take it with him then. He did. I haven't yet, and I'm sure we'll be in that position where you have to put your belongings from a workplace in a box and walk out of a building with them.
1: with your With your tail between. I've done that before, but but only with like plenty of warning, about a year's warning. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I had a year to clear my desk. Yeah, there was plenty of time. Yeah, here, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is from Jane in Essex. Mm-hmm. At the grand old age of 34, I bought a set of four matching mugs pre-pandemic and realised it was the first time I'd ever bought a mug for myself. It had to happen. We really couldn't go on giving guests tea and coffee in Sports Direct or Daily Telegraph or novelty mugs and call ourselves adults. The new posh mugs are not really big enough for a proper cup of those, so only come out for guests. My partner and I do have our own individual hierarchies of mug. He favours a chunky orange one, and I always go for a large one with cats, hearts, and soppy messages on it because it it fits more tea in it than any of the others. I don't have a pet name for my favourite because I can just call it the cat mug, and everyone knows what I mean. But my partner calls his Old Faithful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> may be my favorite name for a mug so far. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'll have a cup of coffee in Old Faithful, please. That's so good. It's beautiful, isn't it? was interested that
0: her mug is all about the quantity of tea. Yeah, that's Because I, cares, I don't think that. it's about maximizing that, it's about the perfect size. Mm. I think there's t- you don't want to book it. Anyway, I, mean, I don't. Maybe I'm generalizing there.
1: She does say a little bit more about this particular mug. Come mm. to think of it, I didn't buy the cat with the hearts and soppy message mug and I'm fairly certain my partner wouldn't have bought it because he's way too cynical. It must have been the ex-girlfriend from many moons ago. <laughs> moons ago. Oh, well, it's still the biggest receptacle for tea drinking in the house. It is size she's after.
0: Wow, that's yeah. so interesting Ooh. that she's comfortable drinking out of another woman's mug. Yeah. A past lover.
1: Mm.
0: Well... I feel so conflicted because I, I enjoyed that as ever mm. feel it throws up a lot of potential questions yeah inheriting mugs yes do you like what if there's somebody in your workplace who had a mug like the top dog one mm. but who left it behind then what becomes of it is there a cursed mug that nobody ever drinks out of
1: anything about Despised mugs, <laughs> despised mugs, mugs that you hate as much as a person. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And mugs with a history, mm. you know, previous owners. There's a there's a lot that this throws up, and yeah. maybe it will be addressed next week. May, maybe it won't. Who knows what will come in in the next seven days? But that's the way it's going to go. Mug chat as of next week. We'll we'll pop we'll pop it on here and there as an a, occasional feature. Yeah. But if you want to be part of the final regular instalment, then um, you've, you've got one week left Mug Chan who you drinking out of? Mug
1: chan that one's for tea and Mug chat, which one's your favourite? Mug chan that was a gift so I'll have it forever
0: Mug chat, Mug Chan Mug chat, with Annabelle and Jeff. The email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com Quandary Corner, Annabelle, here at the Glap Clinic in Problematic. I'm ready.
1: OK. Jennifer says, My big boy, six years old, gets collected from school each day at three. And since they went back to school in February, as his dad is working from home, I stop at the local park as three children, which she has at home, at the end of the day cannot be contained. The park group has got bigger and as a drifter, the buggy with my little ones helps me to chat. And I actually started to enjoy this, as in lockdown, so she small talk was okay. Until today, one of the mums said, are you in the local Facebook group? Me? No. Well, before Easter, the woman in the house opposite posted how much noise this park makes at 3pm. I have two children squealing loudly, and half of me wants my children never to go near this park again. But I'm also liking that it distracts my children for a while before homework. My non-drifter husband gets very annoyed by this section of the podcast. So you can imagine his response to this question. So what do I do?
0: So the question is to go to the park or not to go to the park because of um, somebody moaning.
1: Yeah, yeah. And do you have to keep your children quiet in a park at 3pm? No,
0: I don't think so. I think it's unreasonable.
1: I mean, how loud are these children?
0: Yeah. I'm trying to put myself in the mind of when I was child free. And I think even then the person who is in some way enraged by the sound of children playing... Mm that's not somebody I'm interested in appeasing, I don't think.
1: I do think, especially if you don't know them, I do think that the whole working from home thing has changed things a bit. Like, I sort of feel like I have to be a bit quieter in the daytime because everyone. I feel like everyone around me is working now, whereas before, everyone around me was either at work or not.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't have that. That's All interesting. Right. I don't have any that's anything so of sensitive. that to me. I, I, I tell you what I do, actually,
1: mm.
0: is... The the woman who lives opposite, she now works uh, in, a, in an upstairs room that is at eye level with my bedroom.
1: Oh, yeah. You've mentioned that before, I think.
0: Now, as you know, I am somebody who spends a lot of time working from bed. Yeah. Sarah calls it the office of the baby king.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I'm also somebody who despite being deeply uncomfortable with my own body, in the privacy of my own home, I'm, I'm quite comfortable, largely for reasons of uh, in, internal thermostat in my body, right. with not wearing anything. And she has, has robbed me of that. I also feel judged because it looks like I'm, I don't know, like, John Lennon doing a bed in for peace or something, the fact that I'm just lying in a bit, bed. A bit slobbying. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um so now I'm keeping the curtains drawn.
1: Oh a bit dark.
0: Yeah, and that drives Sarah mad. But I said, hmm. What's what's it to you? Like, I'd rather have the curtains open and have a bit of daylight come in, but not at the cost of having to put a T shirt on.
1: Tell you what you need. Mm-hmm. Neck curtains. Net curtains curtains.
0: yeah you're right <laughs> anyway um so so i'm i'm that that thing you're talking about mm. that hasn't really occurred to me although i feel like there's low like there's a cafe opposite us which during normal times it's always really full on a weekday we live on a quiet residential street and i just think everyone around like people around here they've got weird jobs and people work from home and they're on the laptops and cafes what are they do what are they even doing like <laughs> so so i don't I, I, i've not had that same sense of it changing in the way mm. that you have mm. but i i am you know, i'm sensitive to other people but i think we found my line is people who are being curmudgeonly about the sound of children playing.
1: And if you buy or rent a house opposite a park, yes. you've got to expect a bit of noise at 3pm.
0: I always used to think about that. i would pay millions of pounds for a flat in Soho where we used to work, which has always, or for a long time, hundreds of years, been the nighttime time play where London goes to play at night time. And people would buy a flat next to a bar or a club and then complain to the council and have it closed down. <laughs> Don't buy a flat in Soho. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And I think the you know may, maybe the parks are a bit different at the moment, but it's still a park.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, Jennifer, I say feel free to yes. keep going. Make as much noise as you yes, want. Yes,
0: absolutely. Within
1: reason. Okay, let's go into the next one, which is from Jane. She says, we live in a classic 1930s semi-detached house.
0: Show off with so- a classic. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> well, it, it gets worse. She says, it's a semi-detached house built on a slight hill with a rather lovely garden. Oh, my
0: God, it's semi.
1: <laughs>
0: it's an undulating landscape.
1: Yes. I always knew I was very lucky, but lockdown has really made me appreciate having my own outdoor space filled with trees, flowers, and grass. It really has been a haven. Because of the change in ground levels and the way our extension, extension was constructed, oh God. <laughs> our extension was constructed. Our patio is somewhat patio. raised. Oh, stop it! Stop it! It's somewhat raised.
0: Raised patio?
1: <laughs> This means that despite having a fence of normal height and me me being rather short, I can often see my next neighbours, next door neighbours in their garden if both they and I are standing up or walking around. Prior to COVID, my neighbours and I had a strictly non-verbal nod and or smile combo form of greeting if we saw each other in the street. I suspect they are drifters too, so this arrangement suited us all. Despite always politely acknowledging each other's presence in the street or front garden, I've always held a very strict belief that back gardens are a sacred space. The success of suburban living seemed to be predicated on maintaining the vital myth that no one can see us when we're in our back garden. It is a sanctified private's place only for our family and invited guests. Once we're in our own back garden, it should be as if a cloak of invisibility or the cloaking device from Star Trek has been thrown over us. An intruder to fashion, it is a small talk free zone where there is absolutely no obligation to interact with someone you barely know for the sake of social convention. To maintain the illusion of perfect privacy, I'm always very strict about not looking in the direction of my neighbour's gardens if they are there too, just in case I catch their eye and the spell is broken. I really do not want them to feel awkward or like they're being watched in their private space. On the rare occasions we do lock eyes, I do not under any circumstance acknowledge that I've seen the neighbour, I drop my eyes to the floor, the port protocol is adopted and I beat a hasty retreat." I'm always shocked when I visit other people's gardens and their neighbours come to the fence and start a conversation, completely destroying the carefully confected illusion of living in the (laughs) middle of nowhere. My mum's neighbours are the worst for this and just wander up to the fence several times a day and pass judgment, pass comment on whatever they feel like. Sometimes they even make passive aggressive, judgy comments about what we're doing in the garden. For example, we were having a cup of tea and a chat once and they popped their heads over the fence and said, oh, sitting down again, it's a wonder you've got the time. I was fairly outraged and didn't think it was a harmless joke. It was totally judgmental under the fake joviality. My mum didn't seem to mind and doesn't think any of this behaviour is particularly odd. (laughs) Joviality. <laughs> this often makes me think. Good,
0: and, and pleased yeah. like, we, we were all thinking,
1: yeah, what does she say, she she say, say, yeah, say joviality yeah. I knew what yeah. happened.
0: You just got yourself into one of those things and thought yeah. you'd just power on through it. And exactly. Then, yeah. 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 And then, I,
1: and then the yes. whole the next sentence, I was thinking, why did you say it like yeah, that? Yeah. You've got to correct yourself. Yeah. This often makes me think that maybe I'm the one behaving oddly. Maybe this whole back garden should be totally private spaces thing is actually not a thing and I just made it up. Do my neighbours understand the rules of the game or do they just think I'm super rude or a bit odd for point blank ignoring them in the back garden but cheerfully acknowledging them out the front? To make matters worse, I've been regularly bumping into them during our daily lockdown walks around the neighbourhood. This happens so much now that we've actually spoken to each other and exchanged pleasantries, weather, the inconvenience of lockdown, hope for humanity now the vaccine is here, the state of our postal deliveries, etc. Proper small talk. I'm only part drifter and I'm very accomplished at small talk when I have to be, but I don't enjoy it and I absolutely do not want it in my back garden, my place of refuge. What should I do? Continue blanking my neighbours, but keeping up the friendliness in public settings and risk seeming rude or odd. Start inviting gossipy chats over the the fence and making my garden somewhere I don't want to be anymore. Revert to the smile and or nod and seem even ruder. Take drastic action and move house, or even better, move to a deserted Scottish island. What are your views on chatting to neighbours in back gardens? Am I the one being weird? You can tell me. I can take it.
0: No. I mean, I think... You have it. It's you. You are a maestro asking somebody who plays one finger piano for advice on on your technique.
1: Right, you're saying that she has got this exactly right. Yeah. The the rule is the
0: rule is in the street at the front front door front doorstep front garden as friendly as you like. Yeah back garden it's as if they're not there
1: yeah yeah because it just makes life so much easier
0: and i have uncharacteristically so i really like our neighbors on both sides there are on one side we see them a lot more because their front door's right next to ours and whereas on the other side they're behind a hedge so we we oddly don't see them that much and the people who we see a lot i, I mean I, I like them i like them on both sides but the people we see a lot i just have got to know a lot better and, and love them. And even though we've lived here eight years at this point or whatever it's been, I get excited whenever I see them, which is all the time because mm. they're such great people. And the, there were a couple of occasions where I was aware of the the him on the other side of the hedge in the back garden. And you can't see over, so we can't see over on either side, the fences and the hedge. are are too tall but i've i've spoken to him across the hedge and he shut it down quite quickly and then sarah has really read the right act to me about how you don't speak to people when they're in the back gardens because oh it's it's their space it's an envision invasion of privacy and you shouldn't be kind of um shouting just because you know they're there doesn't mean that they have to share that space socially with you and i think she's right
1: and in many ways it's no different from knocking on a partition wall and shouting through it to them in their own yeah. house yeah because yeah. it's just an extension yes. of the house to the back. yes absolutely well, i think jane you can safely think to yourself i'm doing this right other people who are not doing it are doing it wrong and you should continue absolutely great i've got that sorted out so easily
0: give us your quandary please it's hello at to <laughs> And that was this week's Adrift. I was this close, Annabelle, to asking you if we could do it lying down. Not you. You wouldn't have to. Although that'd be a weird dynamic. I'm flat on my back. You're sitting up just because of the achy body.
1: Right. It, 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 it would be weird, but not un, not unusually weird for you. I would just accept it if that's what <laughs> you wanted to do.
0: Have I never... I mean, that sounds exactly like something I would have done at some course. Yeah. Have I ever... Said I wanna do the radio show on my back.
1: You've said before about getting a bed in there, like a little mm. day bed for lying down and doing like bits and pieces.
0: There was a bed at some point, but did we do some
1: sponsored thing with a yes, hotel chain and there was a little wee. bed? It was wonderful. Oh yeah. It was a nice rest, you know,
0: I oh yeah, Kowono had it right, didn't she? Yeah, you? yeah. I mean they've been in a car accident, which is why. But anyway, um Is it too late? I've got to edit the podcast and get it uploaded, but I really think a bath and some Epsom salts. Oh, they haven't got Epsom salts. Uh,
1: just put some normal salt there must in be it.
0: some app where you can just get Epsom salts delivered <laughs> within half an hour.
1: I'm sure. Yeah.
0: Um, anyway, uh, thank you for, for listening. Do send us your story of social ineptitude. Or oh, if you have uh, a contribution for the final regular mug chat, then email us hello at adriftpodcast.com thanks to man and the echo for the backing music and to emily harrison for the incidental music kim rainey designed our artwork carla gowlett took the photos and um i want to ask you something mm. shall i lick it for you <laughs> <laughs> Podication time. Ready for a podication? Absolutely. A poddy. Here yes, comes please. a poddy. Comes from Stuart. Stuart Winter, who says, Firstly, thank you for this outstandingly mediocre mm. and completely average podcast. I used mm. to listen to you both back in the radio days and uh, it's, it's been a delight to find you again on Adrift.
1: Mm.
0: The sarcasm on Delight was mine, not his, but I think it's no. implied.
1: Yeah, 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 I think so too.
0: Secondly, I'd like to request a podcast for my incredible wife, partner in crime and best friend, Amy. That's so nice apart from the crime bit.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm worried about what kind of crime they're doing. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> don't really condone crime generally.
0: No, no. and And actually, when you think of... Criminal couples mm. tends to... The the th- the ones that spring to mind aren't great.
1: No, no. They're not like relationships goals, as people say. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, all right. I suppose the guy, the canoe guy and his wife. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the best you can think of. No, that's the, accept, really, that's really. the
0: acceptable face of uh, well-known criminal couples, what? isn't it?
1: pretending to your son's that one of you's dead? Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. Okay, uh, what about the... Um, <laughs> the coughing major oh there we go yeah, yeah. There we go. there we go yeah i think mean, who could, could well have been innocent
1: yeah exactly yeah but you
0: know Stuart, i'm not sure if this is an admission of guilt <laughs> yeah, if the detective who's working you, know, you he, he, there's some detective with a board up somewhere <laughs> trying to figure out you know trying to pin you two down and this mm. could be the uh, this could be the smoking gun yeah. um so, Amy, Amy, Amy. She says, oh, she's the one who in, found and introduced me to Adrift as well as to Jeff's other podcast. Oh, so they've been listening to the Beatles mm-hmm. one as well. Oh. No, I think what, it's the Ed band yeah. one. Um, Especially
1: since it was sent in, I think, pre-your Beatles one as well.
0: How long have we been sitting on this?
1: I think maybe less than a year. In More le- than six months? Eleven months. months. <laughs>
0: Are you going to email them?
1: Yeah, I, he was pre-warned. There was, a, there was a long backlog. I think the backlog's getting smaller now, which is good. But anyway, I, he has been pre-warned.
0: Can you post warn him though? Because yes. I just here's, here's what I think. I think the, the there are the odd person, there are the the, the people, the odd person who you know, became accustomed to that radio show, mm. and then years later realized there's there's a there's a podcast by the same people. I think oh, I'm going to dip into that, and at first they think. It's nice to hear their voices again. You know, on some level, it's just reminding them of a different phase of their life, yeah. and then I just think it wears off quickly.
1: Right,
0: right. That's that's my hunch. Hunch. Yeah. I don't have data to back that up, but okay. that's my, my hunch. So I think maybe an email would be in order. Okay. But I'm aware that I'm creating admin for no, you and doing that.
1: Admin of like ten seconds. Okay. It's fine.
0: Um, Amy is the most wonderful human being and is the best thing in my life. We've been together twenty years now. And she is still the brightest ray of sunshine in my world.
1: That's so lovely. Isn't it?
0: Yes. She is a far better person than I will ever be. But I try as hard as I can be to be good, as good a partner as she deserves. I think I put the emphasis weird in that as well. Mm-hmm. Like, not as a person could deserve, but she deserves. <laughs> He's already said she was good. Well, I'm worrying about nothing here. Um. I know I get it wrong sometimes, but she hasn't got rid of me yet. I think there was one time when um, he was sitting there in the getaway vehicle and he got (laughs) distracted and they nearly got caught. Very possible, yeah. yeah. Um, So I think I must be doing some things right. Either that or her patience truly knows no bounds. I'm sure that was the end of the sentence, but I lost my place on the screen. It took me a while to find it again. Amy is a funny, intelligent, caring, compassionate, hardworking, loving soul who is a joy to be with. Although she will claim to be more driftery than me, she doesn't let that hold her back, and is far braver and more adventurous than I. Were it not for her, we would not have cherished. Sorry, we would not have cherished memories of toasting marshmallows together over a volcano.
1: Wow. Mm.
0: Um, I'm worried that they push somebody in
1: <laughs> stop, stop. Let's start with the crime now
0: <laughs> Swimming with sharks stop You don't it. think they're international stop stop shark it. traffickers? No Or like Bond villains mm. Like that, Maybe it's that level of crime where they've got sharks yeah, To throw their enemies to yeah. yeah. Exploring jungle ruins Now I'm sort of imagining the Nazis in Raiders of the Lost Ark Yeah, that's
1: exactly what mine went into as well <laughs>
0: or watching the sunset over Icelandic mountaintops. All I'm getting for that is Kendall at the beginning of Series 2 of Succession. Right. Um, (laughs) Which again, I mean, it was a spoiler alert. Um, But it was a crime. I couldn't ask for any better soulmate. Isn't that a lovely thing? Amy's kind and generous nature extends even to yourselves and she's a supporter on Patreon. Amy, we... Appreciate that more than you will know. Thank you. Um, truly a sign of someone with great taste, but questionable financial decision-making skills. <laughs> I, uh, I beg to differ. Amy, you are amazing and I love you more than anything. That is me speaking, not Stuart. <laughs> that is right. Stuart. But me as well after finding out the Patreon yeah, thing. Me too. Um Thank you for being you. Love from Stuart. Well, there we go. Um, Amy,
1: what a wonderful person. Yeah, great. Person.
0: We don't deserve her. A- Neither does Stuart. I mean, to do it seems seems all right. Yeah. Now I'm going to be on tape saying that. Mm. Then when it all comes out. <laughs> there we go. Latest edition of the podcast, podicated to, uh, to Amy from Stuart. If you'd like a podication, then email us. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.